1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of Trashy Divorces. My name is Stacey.
0: Hey, Trash Panda Nation. I am Alicia. Thanks for joining us today for another wild ride of marital misconduct.
1: We've got some women who washed those men right out of their hair this week.
0: Yeah, it seemed like a good time to cycle up that song from South Pacific. <laughs> who do you have this week, Alicia? Holy cats. I got a little bit of a follow up. We left Sean Penn on the Trashy Divorces Depot back in season three with his pending upcoming divorce. I picked back up his second divorce with Robin Wright and a little bit of update on the news this week. I don't know what kind of power he has. We get into it. Stacy this week, you have a another kind of
1: I have just the ill-fated and sort of sad story of Miles Davis and Cicely Tyson who I just I feel bad.
0: I learned a lot in your story. I didn't know any of that. All right. I think a lot of folks may not even know that they had actually been married and it on paper looked so good. And then right. in reality, it, it was not, just was not, not good.
1: Had to do some washing that man out of her hair. Before we uh, pull out the shampoo
0: and conditioner, <laughs> let's go ahead and pull out our magic mirror and give some thanks and praise and love to our new Patreon supporters this week.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for joining us at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Anne is Irish, Carol M, Vivian E, Mary H. And I want to give a big shout out to some new annual supporters.
0: Holy cats, Aaron H, Sandra Y, Nashia H, Susan J. Thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting us on an annual basis over there. And both of us want to give a super big shout out to some new super supporters. Thanks so much to Jess. My Scorpio friend, Jess. Hey, Trace A, thank you. And Sue R. Elizabeth H. And Lacey and S. Lacey S. Holy Thanks so cats. Much. Thanks to you, Sunday listener, Wednesday listener. Thanks to you, Patreon folks. We are so excited to be back with you. Now we can get in the shower. Wash that man right out of our hair. What do we have to do?
1: think we need to go, go, go. Alicia, you have someone who's making some relationship news now and also someone we've touched on in the past. We have in the overall effort of everyone
0: remembering to, if you are time zone observant, set your clocks an hour back. We're going to set our podcast in our story today, a few seasons back. Sean Penn, y'all, this guy, man. So we would have talked about him with Madonna, correct? We covered his Mm -hmm. first trashy divorce back in season three, episode seven, I think. His four-year marriage with Madonna, who, remember, filed on again, off again. It was tumultuous. There
1: were... It was terrible. Photographers were punched. Photographers were shot at. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Sean Penn
0: fired a bullet at the helicopter above their wedding. Wow. And then there were all the allegations that he tied Montana up and abused her. And she's like, no, 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 he didn't do. Like, it, that's not what we're here to talk about today. In this follow-up segment, it was important just to visit that one for a moment. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> just to acknowledge a few trends here. Mm-hmm. If there is, get out your bingo cards, repetitions that happen on Trashy Divorces Bingo Number one, it's hard for women to leave him. Number two, Sean Penn really likes blondes. Now, I don't know if we touched on it. I can't remember. But Sean Penn's first love was Elizabeth McGovern, Mrs. Downton Abbey. Back in the day, he didn't used to like blondes. He fell in love with a very dark-headed Elizabeth McGovern. And Sean Penn. Right, Mrs. Downton. Mrs. Downton Abbey, yeah. (laughs) And Sean Penn and Elizabeth McGovern get engaged. And... She's in her early 20s, and she realizes whatever she realizes and is like, oh, hell no. She's asked about it many years later and says, Mary Sean, I was so lucky to do what I did. Wow. Yeah. So Mrs. Downton, Abby, is delightful. She's been married for almost three decades to her husband. So apparently she really found the right one, chose well. Maybe Elizabeth McGovern got that she was never going to change him. Another repetition, hmm. but after her, Sean Penn's love life becomes a very long procession of blondes. As the last brunette girl I can find that he has ever dated, okay, just a trend. Madonna naturally
1: comes next. Their marriage goes from eighty-five to eighty-nine. I think Elizabeth McGovern probably just set the brunette standard so high that can't can't compete. He, he hasn't even bothered again.
0: I would you. After dating Mrs. Downton. Come on. All right. Sean and Madonna, Rocky, see that previous Trashy Divorces episode. Mm -hmm. Today we're going to pick up Sean Penn from the Trashy Divorces Depot. Leo man. Born August 17th, 1960. Sean, as we pick him up from the Trashy Divorces post-divorce from Madonna Depot, is going to become ensconced with his new love, which will last a long time. Her name is Robin Wright. Wesley! She is an angel and so much better off without Sean Penn. And now she has a new hunky executive husband. (laughs) Oh my God, let's get into the trash candy, y'all. So we leave Sean, 1989 post-Madonna. And as soon as Madonna is over, Sean is soon seen skipping around town with a lovely young ingenue Robin Wright. Right, the, the
1: princess bride
0: herself. Princess bride herself. She's an Aries girl, born on April the 8th. There's about a six-year difference between Robin and Sean. Robin is born Robin Gale. In Dallas, she's named after her mama. Also, Gale, who's a Mary Kay saleswoman. Robin's daddy is Fred. He works in pharmaceutical sales. The Wright family is going to move on out to California, and Robin is modeling by the time she's 14. She Mm -hmm. knows what she wants to do, and she wants to be a star. Fun fact, Robin Wright tries out for every John Hughes movie multiple times. Damn that Molly Ringwald.
1: That's funny. I had no idea. Doesn't land
0: any of those roles. Mm -hmm. But Robin will catch her big break, landing a role in Santa Barbara, the 3 p.m. soap opera offering on NBC up against ABC's General Hospital and CBS's Guiding Light. Mm Mm-hmm. Three o'clock was huge back in the soap opera hour of the day. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in that role of Kelly Capwell, oh my gosh, Robin Wright is adorable and gets lots of daytime Emmy nominations. She also finds love for the first time on the set of Santa Barbara as well, actually during the audition process. She is going to meet a fellow actor named Dane Witherspoon, and this is love. And Dane Witherspoon is cast... As Kelly Capwell's love interest, Joe Perkins, for like three months, and then Dana's replaced, and Dane is gonna hop on over to Capital, my very favorite soap opera ever. Capital playing Tyler McCandless. Anyway, not important. (laughs) Dane Witherspoon and Robin Wright fall in love, young love. They marry in 1986. She's like 20 years old, Mm -hmm. so young. The two are divorced by 1988. Two years. Over and out. Young Love. Also, 1987, worth mentioning a little film called Princess Bride. Huh,
1: interesting. Which puts Robin on the map. I think I've heard of it. Okay. It keeps her there. I mean, if that was the only thing she had ever done in her career, she would, yeah.
0: But she's done so much more. Oh, so much more. So much more. Delight. All right. By 1989, Robin is filming a new movie called State of Grace. With the recently divorced Sean Penn. Who we just picked up from the depot. And wowza. They fall for each other. And he moves in with her in like no time flat. Doesn't ask her out on a date. (laughs) He's just like. Hey babe. I'm moving in. And neither one of our lovebirds is in a very big hurry to get married again. They actually are not going to get married until 1996. Hmm. But they spend half a dozen years dating. Let's talk about it. Robin Wright is 24 when she gives birth to their first child, a daughter, Dylan, in 1991. 1993, she has a son, Hopper Jack, named for Dennis Hopper and Jack Nicholson. So that's nice. Pregnancy back then and often like today doesn't really allow you a chance to be a working actress. So Robin is taking time off, caring for hearth and home, supporting her man, raising their children. And in order to take care of her kids, Robin starts putting her budding career, like she can do anything she wants at the moment, but now it's all on the back burner, and she's turning down roles, including Maid Marion from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves hmm. and the role of Abby McDear in the firm that Gene Triplehorn played. Okay? I mm. OK. She will hop back into acting for the role of Jenny. In Forrest Gump. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Wow. But this is sort of the crossroads that she's like, what do I do, movies or kids? So she'll go on record with Vanity Fair in 2015 and say, about this time, we were learning as we were going along. We agreed as parents that we'd not work at the same time so that one of us is always with the kids. He was making more money than I was at the time, so it was a simple decision. You go work, I'll stay with the kids. So it rolls like this for a while. Two kids, tumultuous relationship, and then they decide to take a break. Maybe. We were on a break. Maybe. Or maybe we were not on a break. Because Robin's still taking care of the kids, mm-hmm. and Sean is going to fall for a new hot blonde in the hmm. meantime. Interesting. And begins a hot and heavy romance with Jewel. The budding songster superstar. Oh my of god! The, yeah, mid nineteen nineties. And Sean and Jewel think this relationship is super, super secret. I didn't realize, but it is not. But alas. But alas. In, in nineteen ninety six, for the family, for the family, for the sake of the kids and the sake of the family. I don't know what power Sean Penn has over women. I am mystified by this. But the couple reunites in nineteen ninety six. Apparently, marriage manifests in his brain because Sean has a realization. Robin is taken ill and is in, like, the ER. She's rushed into emergency surgery. And Sean will skip the Academy Awards to be at her bedside for the emergency surgery and has this very dramatic scene sure. where...
1: Sure. Intense moment of self-revelation That or seems like
0: a really rough way to understand that you love somebody, man, yeah. but... Uh, Robin Wright will say the on and off that they continued to do was to try and keep the family together and the kids together. Let me tell you, there's a lot of on and off here. When they reunite in 1996, this time they're going to marry. Sean Penn a year later will tell Entertainment Weekly in 1997, marriage ain't easy, but it's great most of the time. I love Robin. I've always loved her. Okay, but Robin Wright still turning down roles, but Sean's steadily working. And God bless Robin. She says, I turned down so many films because I wanted to be a mom that they stopped offering. So her career is dried up. Ish. Now, from this point, I guess Robin Wright, tending to Hearth and Home and keeping it together and the family. And how do I put it all together? Does this till 2007? They have an 11, like they're married 11 years when she will file for divorce. The kids by this point are grown into teenagers, and maybe she's ready to get a move on with her life. Sean Penn. I don't know what kind of power he has, but like (laughs) four months after she files, she retracts the divorce paperwork. Okay. On and off. Until 2009. (laughs) Two years later, it is Sean winning his second Oscar, I think, for Harvey Milk. And he doesn't thank his wife, who is sitting in the audience. Do you remember this? I uh, vaguely. Okay, but wait. He comes on defense later and he's like, oh, Robin totally knew that I was going to thank her if I had the time to do it. She wasn't upset. I'm the wife and the mother of your kids and you can't, yeah, Robin Wright, you can't spend half a second narrator on voice. my name. She was upset. <laughs> she was upset. Yeah. Okay. Yikes. Penn is going to file this time. But for real, a hot minute later, that divorce petition is retracted and there is another
1: reconciliation. It sounds like these are people who do, in a very complicated way, love each other a lot. You know, like they're equally fighting to be together and fighting to get apart. There's a lot going going on. on. Okay. Okay.
0: This time is the shortest reunion of all. It's a scant few months before Robin headed back down to the courthouse to file at last for the final time. The two are officially going to end it in 2010 after 21 years of a long, good run-ish. Maybe I'm not going to say it was good. It seems to me like Robin Wright did a lot of sacrificing in those two decades There's not a chance any more of these two getting back together. Robin will tell Moore magazine that there will be no reconciliation. I hit that crossroad a while ago. I know what I don't want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a long ride though. 20 plus years. 20 plus years. Okay. So by 2012, two years after
0: the divorce, the two no longer speak. Sean Penn tells Esquire in 2012, poor baby that he is. He really wants some sympathy, and he says that his marriage was a farce, and he'd never been loved by either of his ex-wives. hmm <laughs> <laughs> And then goes on about the rift between... Uh, do you hear yourself, yeah. man? Read the room. Okay. Yeah. He will go on about the rift between he and Robin. This is some classic. I love it when the stories write themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to do anything. We don't get along. We have very separate relationships with our kids at this point, and it seems to work better that way because they are making their own decisions. As it turned out, she and I did not share the same ethical views on parenting, including the continuing parenting of adult children. I don't know what that means. I think... uh um, children are over 21, man. Yeah.
1: Like, your adult parenting role really shifts once your kids are grown-ish. I Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure that Sean Penn's forthcoming book, Fatherhood, will <laughs> explain all. Okay, I'm going to stay on Robin
0: here for a second. In 2012, she is going to meet the younger, handsome Ben Foster actor, 14 years younger. But that's not the coolest thing. Ben asks Robin out on her first date ever. She'd never been asked out on a date. Oh, right. Because mm-hmm.
1: yeah, Sean Penn didn't ever take her out on a date. I mean, I
0: probably did, but he never asked her out on one. So maybe Robin's wising up. Maybe, you know, we could have some dinner before you move in. Uh, (laughs) He will, Ben Foster will propose. Robin accepts. They get tattoos on their ring fingers. Tattoos are a signal, y'all. Just saying. Bingo. Uh, They're going to split 10 months after their engagement. As Robin realizes, maybe a third marriage on the rebound of this might be too much, but... Had some fun. Thank you, Ben. It was mm-hmm. really nice to get back in the game. Yep. Thanks for helping me along my path of development. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to speed it up a little bit more. Much professional success for Robin throughout the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Robin love life is going to meet Clément Gerardet, younger, super sexy Frenchman in 2017. Clément is the head of VIP relations internationally for Yves Saint Laurent. Okay? Like, he's sexy. He's really sexy. Robin is going to marry her sexy husband, Mm -hmm. Clement, in August of 2018 in an intimate ceremony in France. There's lots of wine. It's very low-key. And from TDHQ to you, Robin Wright, we wish you all the happiness in the world. These two are super in love. They are seen making out all over. Like, really, they ride down the road and hold hands on their bikes. Okay, but even just last week, as her ex-husband, Sean Penn, is breaking his I'm about to be divorced for the third time news, Robin and her husband are making out on a Los Angeles beach. That's the picture that gets snapped on Sean Penn's announcement divorce day. Is I'm cool. I'm hanging out on the beach, making out with my super sexy French husband, and have never been more in love. I love this story. I love everything about the story. Robin Wright and her gained confidence and her gained true love. And I could not be more thrilled for you, Princess Buttercup. You get a few well deserved halos.
1: I don't think I realized that she had had such a long career break. Because certainly like House of Cards, which I think is the most notable mm-hmm. thing that she's done in the last few years. Just she was extraordinary. Extraordinary. She yeah. was in Wonder Woman.
0: She yes. also produced, yes. directed, directed and produced a movie this past year called Land. She's a mm-hmm. fascinating character. Mm-hmm. Princess Buttercup, all the halos. Mm-hmm. But we got a little follow-up work to do here. Mm-hmm. Because poor, misunderstood Mm -hmm. Sean Penn. Good Lord. All right, what happens now? (sighs) Yeah. Okay, Robin and Sean are done in 2010. Relief work philanthropy is going to take up some of Sean's time, which is good. I guess trying to reconnect, making himself a little better by helping others. It's a good goal. Way to go, dude. But Sean, again, not great at reading the room. It's going to tell Esquire magazine in that same 2012 article. There's no shame in my saying that we all want to be loved by someone. As I look back over my life in romance, I don't feel I've ever had that. I have been the only one that was unaware of the fraud in a few of those circumstances blindly. When you get divorced, all the truths that come out, you just sit there and you go, What the fuck was I doing? <laughs> What was I doing believing that this person was invested in this way, which is a a fantastically strong humiliation in the best sense. It can make somebody very bitter and very hard and closed off, but I find it does the opposite to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You say I've been married twice before, but I've been married under circumstances where I was less informed than I am today. So I wouldn't even consider a third marriage. I'd consider it a first marriage on its own terms if I got married again. I mean, I like the tradition. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. Okay. Whew. Mm. 2013 is going to bring a new blonde. Her name is Charlize Theron. <sighs> mm-hmm. They're pretty hot and heavy for a while. The uh, They hook up into 2013. They're going to last until summer 2015. But Charlize is adopting her second kid at this point, And Sean... Wants no part of that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, again, his forthcoming book, Fatherhood, will <laughs> Sean Penn's Guide to Dadding. Charlize says, we never moved in together.
0: I was never going to marry him. Uh-huh. Okay. So 2016 is going to come along. And so does, surprise, surprise, a 24-year-old blonde, mm. incidentally, father of the year, same age as his daughter. Mm. 24-year-old Layla George, who is the daughter of Vincent D'Onofrio and oh, Greta Scacchi,
1: I would not want to piss off Vincent D'Onofrio. I know. Oh, because daddy's the same age as husband.
0: Yeah. Well, They're your part. They're buddies. Probably. Right. Potentially. Maybe not anymore. Because, all right, 2016. Here's Layla, here's Sean. They're... Spotted about. They date for like four years. And last year in the COVID lockdown, the two of them get married. After, guess what? Remarkably being on and off for oh, some time. Um, oh, wow. Sean apparently wins her back after some transgression. So it's a, it's, but it's his first marriage
1: now. Under now it's his first marriage. new circumstances. Correct. Okay.
0: So small crowd, his kids are there and her brothers are there, but they marry via a Zoom call with the county commissioner. Because everybody's in lockdown. Mm -hmm. Quarantine makes you do funny things. Mm -hmm. Layla filed just a few weeks ago, just in October of this year, for divorce after a year of marriage. I don't know, maybe getting vaccinated changed things. It's going to take about six months. California requires that as a length of waiting period before the courts will set a date or do anything about it. But this divorce could be complete as early as March 2022 if it is amicable. With Sean Penn, who knows? Who can say? Oh, Sean Penn, I don't know what you do to girls, but I am giving you so many trash cans, man. You get 26 trash cans. You get four for your years with Madonna, 21 for your years with Robin Wright, and one for Layla and all those trash cans filled with red flags. Just stuffed to the point of overflow. Red flags. 26 trash cans on fire in a field of red flags. Yeah, that seems right. No, I've da- I've, I've dated someone like this, and it is it is a little triggering for me. Mm-hmm. I'm probably a little less impartial in this story because I'm reliving some past drama. Yeah, yeah I, Sean Penn, man. I
1: had wondered when we were going to catch up with the further adventures of Sean Penn. Who... I've avoided
0: it for a long mm-hmm. time, but it seemed like it was a good time to set our clocks back to... When we used to date bad boys and think it was cool.
1: Well, and, you know, with his current split up in the news. Good choice. Well done. Thanks for bringing us up to the current day.
0: That is, that's it. That's, I can't Mm -hmm. get more current than that. We will keep you posted on the pending. 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 (laughs) Haha, see what you did there. Divorce from Layla and Sean. On that note. Hmm. Let's take a break. Let's hear from our amazing sponsors this week. And on the flip, we're going to wash that man right out of our hair right after this break. There's never a wrong time to take a look at the things that are keeping you from living your best life. And if now is your moment, we recommend BetterHelp.
1: BetterHelp is confidential, convenient, and safe professional counseling with your own licensed therapist. BetterHelp's quick questionnaire matches you with a counselor in under 24 hours, and you can message your counselor at any time, even between scheduled phone or video sessions. And if you're not clicking, that's fine. It is free to change counselors.
0: BetterHelp is available worldwide. They offer specialized expertise that may not be available locally where you live, it's more affordable than traditional counseling. Financial aid is available as well. It has just
1: never been easier to find a licensed professional counselor in fact, there are so many people using BetterHelp that they are recruiting counselors in all 50 states. We want you to start living
0: your happiest life today. As a Trashy Divorces listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com trashy.
1: Join more than 1 million people who are taking charge of their mental health. Visit BetterHelp, that's betterhelp.com trashy. Hey Trash Pandas, when you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters, as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island, from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry.
0: Hey, Trash Panda Nation, let's everyone just take a minute, give yourselves credit for getting to today, and now we cue Sir Elton John.
1: I'm still standing.
0: Would you like to say that you are standing better than I ever did about your personal finances? Our friends at the Tree Group are ready and
1: willing to help you. The mission of this all-female firm is to guide you through all phases of your financial journey using an intuitive and holistic approach. Best of all, Oak Tree
0: Group is offering our Trashy Divorces listeners a free one-hour consultation with no obligation to talk about your financial concerns. Give the Oak Tree Group a call today at 770-319-1700
1: just set up your appointment. Again, that number is seven seven zero three one nine one seven zero zero, 319 1700 And you can always visit net for more information.
0: And we're back, Trash Panda Stacy. you're bringing us a different kind of trashy blue divorce today.
1: Yeah, I feel like these two should have been a big powerhouse, A-list, creative couple, but Lots of substance abuse, lots of infidelity, lots of not hiding either well meant that Cicely Tyson and Miles Davis never did find the true happiness that maybe they could have found together. And she was, of course, much more graceful about not finding it with Miles than Miles was. Uh, So... Oh, no. Yeah, when uh, these two married in 1981, a lot of people did not get it. Cicely was an Academy Award winning actress with a reputation for selecting roles that celebrated African American people. Miles Davis was jazz music's Prince of Darkness, known for his quick (laughs) temper (laughs) and his drug abuse. So she had. That's a a great description. That was well done. Thanks. She had appeared uh, in Roots. She played Coretta Scott King. He, of course, created. Like Miss Tyson is a Legendary jazz. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. I mean, and he, musically, wow. Yeah, I mean, both were masters of their, their craft. craft. Mm-hmm. Hands down, both were impeccably stylish. And both said that it was a, a deep and spiritual level friendship that really held them together. They, they were together on and off for quite a long time. So it was a tumultuous marriage. So the marriage lasted seven years. Miles felt like when Cicely would come on tour with him, she was a little too much of a diva. Oh. She did not like that he would try to make up for his affairs by bringing her expensive gifts. He cheated on her five days into their wedding. What? Or five days after their wedding. Oh, my God. She confronted his lover in the lobby of their building. Oh, hell. There were insults thrown. (sighs) There was an incident called Weavegate.
0: Weave date. During
1: a particularly uh, physical, anyway, seven-year-long marriage, ended in divorce, and it was not happy. It was not a marriage.
0: Let's get into
1: it. Let's get into it. Cicely Tyson did not grow up intending to be an actress. She was a shy girl. She was slight. Uh, her parents called her string bean. no. She's a child of a West Indian family, born in 1924. Her parents had grown up together in the West Indies and then immigrated to the United States. Cicely was born in New York, grew up in East Harlem. It was a strict home. They valued education. They valued faith. Her parents were super stylish, though, which I guess is where Cicely perhaps got it. She said that her father, much like her mother, she called him a dresser and a stepper. Oh, He was a dapper Dan. He had swagger. Anyway, uh, apparently too much swagger oh, because no. her parents separated in 1930. Their infidelity. Mom takes the three children to a new home. And uh, then, you know, she worked to raise them. I'm not sure how involved her father was. So as a teenager, instead of, you know, still not thinking about acting, she thought about becoming a psychologist. Really? Which is fascinating. It's fascinating. The 40s, 30s, 40s. She earned some extra money because she had a gift for styling hair. Mom had her eye on just the right boy for her daughter. Uh this was the son of their pastor. Oh god. So so like Cicely <laughs> was not allowed to date as a teenager pretty much until um, you know, Pastor's, pastor's son kid comes was along available. She was not super into this, but you know, teenage bodies being teenage bodies, she became pregnant at the age of seventeen. Was horrified, of course, because this is what you did in the forties. They married. Cicely wrote, "Quote the she felt that it was quote the ending of my life story had already been written before I'd even had a chance to live it." Yeah, mm-hmm. but two years in, Cicely was like, "Nah, this is not this is not for me." So she left. Moved in with her aunt, you know. Took the baby, went to work as a secretary to support herself and her daughter, and just for fun, signed on with a modeling agency to start doing catalogs and print sure, ads little extra and- cash, mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. And so it was that a film producer saw her at the modeling agency one day. She was invited to audition for her first movie. Oh wow! Now, interestingly, her acting career didn't begin until she was in her thirties, and her agent at the time. Was like, look, you need to tell everyone you're ten years younger. One, you can pass for ten years younger, and two, nobody wants to hire a thirty something year old actress, right? (laughs) Lie about it. So you're twenty, and this lie held until the 2015 Kennedy Center Honors when she came clean about it. You're kidding. Her entire career, people thought she was just a decade younger.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh wow! All
1: right, she was not initially interested in becoming an actress. It's very odd, but eventually the guy. Was he just harassed her really? He was calling her at work, he was making life miserable, and she was like, Fine. So, she stars in uh, Carib Gold and enjoyed it, got serious about it, studied acting in the 60s. She would perform with Maya Angelou and James Earl Jones in the off Broadway show The Blacks, which was written by French playwright Jean Genet. While well, we're saying French names in this episode, uh, in 1963. She was cast in East Side, West Side on CBS, making her the only woman of color as, to appear as a series regular on network TV at the time. She also became a bit of a fashion icon by appearing with her hair cut into a short afro. So, trendsetter. She, yeah. 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 Breaking ground, setting styles. So, she obviously had been in this short marriage, was not eager to hop into a next one. I love this. So, she's dating a radio DJ. And he's a little too serious and she is less so. And she breaks up with him by calling the station while he's on the air and no. de- dedicating <sighs> Billy Holidays, you ain't gonna bother me no more to him. Ooh.
0: <laughs> Sicily. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I That's mean one way to get your message across. <laughs> yeah, she dated
1: just talented people. Bert Andrews was a well-known theater photographer. She was moving in very cool circles at sure. this point in her life. They, they, I think, were lifelong friends even after their romance. One day, Cecily is walking through Riverside Park. Like you do. She sees none other oh, no. than Miles Davis sitting on a bench, and she had seen him at concert. I mean, these are well-known people. <laughs>
0: the Prince of Darkness of Jazz.
1: Well, she says that... You know, long before she met him, he had already spoken to her through his music. He introduces himself.
0: That's how they get you.
1: They start talking, hanging out. Eventually, she accepted in a an invitation to go to lunch with Miles Davis. So let's meet Miles, the Prince of Darkness. <laughs> Jazz's Prince of Darkness. So Miles Dewey Davis III was born May 26, 1926, to a family of very talented and driven people. His father, Junior, Miles Dewey Davis Jr., was an oral surgeon. He had a successful practice in East St. Louis, Illinois. His mother was a violin player and taught music. She was very stylish and very temperamental. And so that is apparently, (laughs) she was the bigger influence in the psychological development of Miles. So Miles recalls in his autobiography that his father um, was a a well-bred man who liked nice things, nice clothes, nice cars, that kind of stuff. There were two siblings. All of them, very high expectations were applied. Also, he recalls that um, he was called Junior, not Trey, as a kid. He (laughs) he was a third, um, and he hated Junior. He was a gifted swimmer and boxer, and his mother thought that he would take up violin like her, but he preferred the trumpet. Interesting. Dad was like kind of told mom to back off and let him do his thing. When he turned 12, he started studying with a musician named uh, Elwood Buchanan, who really kind of helped him. I think he had been mimicking a lot of popular music at the time, and Buchanan kind of guided him toward finding his own musical voice. So, you know, he does the teenage things. He plays in the school orchestra. He starts visiting jazz clubs. (laughs) East St. Louis. Cultivating a style that he called, quote, a kind of hip quasi-black English look. Brooks Brothers suits, butcher boy shoes, high top pants, shirts with high tab collars. He meets other jazz musicians and decides that that is the type of music he wants to play. Like he is, he's a jazz man. I love it. Yeah. By the time he's 16, he's playing little gigs on the weekends. He's got his first girlfriend, Irene. So she actually encourages him to audition for like larger bands. Eddie ends up in uh, Eddie Randall's Blue Devils Band in 1944. And so they're playing around St. Louis and East St. Louis. By the time he graduates from high school, he was touring kind of regularly. And he was planning to go to New York to study at Juilliard, which he did. Irene... Also fell pregnant. A lot oh, of that happening. Yeah. So she moves in with his family and off he goes to Manhattan in 44. But do they get married or she just moves in? She just moves in. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he arrives in Manhattan, June 1944, and goes looking for Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie. Well, like you do. Like you do, except actually they had met because they had heard Miles Davis play Oh. when he was out touring and they had said-
0: if hey, you're ever in New York, when
1: you get to New York, you wow. you come to Minton's and you find us. That's a jazz club in Harlem. So I guess the setup at Minton's was that you could be beckoned to the stage and then you would perform. And if you sucked, it was real bad for you. But it was where like it was where young musicians cut their chops in the big city.
0: All I can think of is adventures and babysitting with. Nobody gets oh, yeah. out of here without singing oh, yeah. the blues. It,
1: very much. Very much. Yeah. Miles said, like, not only would people boo you if you sucked up there, but you might get your ass kicked. So. Good times. Uh, yeah. High stakes. So when Miles got his chance to play Parker and Gillespie both smiled. Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie. I mean, that's. That's huge. Yeah. So soon he is playing with Fats Navarro, Freddie Webster. He replaces Dizzy Gillespie in Charlie Parker's Bebop Quintet. Wow. Juilliard was less interesting to him, and he felt pretty listless. Oh, than a jazz club?
0: I bet. (laughs) About the education he was getting.
1: He said he was learning more playing at clubs than in class and said that the new musicians were, quote, all trying to get our master's degrees and PhDs from Minton's University of Bebop under the tutelage of Professors Bird and Diz. So, eventually he drops out of Juilliard. His dad was weirdly okay with this. I would have thought dad would be very upset, but he was like, nah, do do your creative thing. So, Irene moves to Queens, to, you know, Miles moves Irene to Queens. There are now two kids. Throughout the 40s and 50s, Miles is perfecting his sound, building his own... Uh, a nanette a nine-piece jazz band there was a french horn and a tuba oh wow <laughs> his work during this time was featured on the album birth of the cool in 55 he went to paris with the ted dameron quintet and he would say i never felt that way in my life it was the freedom of being in france and being treated like a human being like someone important mm Tragically for Irene, he also met someone oh, uh, in Paris and fell in love. Juliet Greco. Miles said that she taught him what it was to love someone other than music. I mean, she introduced him to Jean-Paul Sartre and they had drinks. Right. like It's incredible. So anyway, this ended his relationship with Irene. But returning to the United States was rough for Miles Davis. Like Paris really had been a place where he was free in a way that just in the United States he could not be. And so his drug habit, which he had already indulged in a bit, became more serious. He probably fell into a depression uh, when he got back to New York. He became addicted to heroin. Oh, no. Yeah, like he could support his habit through music for a while. But by 1952, he was actually pimping women to finance his heroin addiction. Oh, no. I love this, though. In 1953, he called his dad and was like, hey, come get me. I need I help. I need help. <sighs> oh, well, that's good. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, his dad brings him back and uh, puts him into his guest house. And it, it took a few tries, but Miles did get clean. Cold turkey, man. That's rough. Anyway, 1957, he signs a contract with Columbia Records. 1959, seminal album, Kind of Blue, is that's released. good album. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He also married for the first time in 1959. Francis Taylor, a ballerina and Broadway dancer. Also that year, uh, he was just assaulted by cops outside of the Birdland Club. Oh, where, no. Mm-hmm, he was escorting someone to uh, a woman to a taxi and cops just kind of like told him to move along. And he was like, I work at this club. And they just started hitting him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like detectives were holding back a crowd of onlookers while other cops just hit him with a nightstick. It's just awful oh also they arrested him for assaulting a cop <laughs> uh all charges were dismissed <laughs> in 1960 but this really this hurt his career but it also like he took this very personally and why wouldn't you but it really i i think it i don't know it it hurt him in a way yeah he he says that the experience made him colder perhaps mm-hmm. more intense less trusting he wrote in his autobiography, a lot of people thought I was aloof, which I was, but most of all, I didn't know who to trust. I was leery. And so that's part of my attitude that many people saw this wariness of hanging out with people I didn't know. But the people who knew me well knew I wasn't the way they were describing me in the newspapers. And that's it's understandable. It is. I think Sean Penn could probably relate to that too, yeah. you know, anyway. Miles and his very large band uh, toured to promote Kind of Blue. Uh, He fell into a habit of cocaine and alcohol to keep up with an intense touring schedule. He needed a hip replacement, so there was pain. And then the surgery to do it was botched, and so there was more pain. Anyway, definite downward spiral here. Temper became worse. Things with Francis become worse. She was supposed to be appearing in West Side Story, and he demanded, like on Broadway, too, he demanded that she quit and take care of him, basically. Wreck her career? Yep, Mm. yep, yep, yep. Uh, He was abusive. He hit her. And he would later admit it, saying every time I hit her, I felt bad. Because a lot of it really wasn't her fault, but had to do with me being temperamental and jealous. Cool guy. (sighs) So 66 Francis files for divorce. So seven years, I guess. Miles ended up hospitalized for three months with a liver infection. I mean, it's there, there's a lot. So Bad times. Mm-hmm. This is around the period where he spots Cicely Tyson in the park. <laughs> okay. Clearly a volatile lifestyle and temperament. Let's say that. So he, of course, had seen her on the TV show East Side, West Side. And he wrote, she made an impression on me because she wore her hair in an afro and she was always intelligent when I saw her. She had a different kind of beauty that you didn't usually see in black women on television. She was very proud looking and had kind of inner burner fire that was interesting. So their friendship evolved. They became lovers. And Miles would say one thing led to another because Cicely is that kind of woman who just gets into you, gets inside your blood and in your head. She appeared on the cover of his 1967 album, Sorcerer. Cicely's friends did not understand
0: no, the pairing. No. Um, oh.
1: Her friends said that he You're was... You're in danger, girl. Yeah, he was rude, arrogant, mean, enigmatic as a person and a performer, but I came to see Miles otherwise. He was always refining himself, always pushing the boundaries of what was musically possible, never settling. Miles also respected Cicely's talent and work ethic, later saying, I like a person that's always moving, changing, one that says, what's this, what's that? Why are they doing this? That's the way Sicily is. And that's the way I am. Been like that all my life. God, they really should have been great together. They really should have been great together. Yeah. 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 So obviously she knew um, that he had some flaws. <laughs> Women and drugs being the primary uh, issues. She was not herself into drugs. So he, I guess, didn't really use around her or attempted to be quite discreet. She did know when he was using, though. You normally do. Yeah. So there were affairs. And uh, as noted, he would bring her expensive gifts to apologize. So there were jewelry, clothes, furs. I mean, it was pretty lavish.
0: Just those red flags wrapped up in pretty gift boxes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I guess like, he could have dealt with his guilt by not having (laughs) affairs. But he did, including with a 23-year-old named Betty Mabry. She was a singer and performer, introduced him to more contemporary music like Sly Stone and Jimi Hendrix. Yay, yay. However, one day while walking on Seventh Avenue, Cicely sees Miles in his white Ferrari because famous musician with a woman sitting beside him. Nope. She had not wanted to believe the rumors. She now knew they were true. A few months later, the same woman appeared at Miles' door while Cicely was there. She had had enough. So she went back to her apartment and she, all of those, all of those guilt gifts that he had given her, she packed all of them into a suitcase. The dresses, the shoes, the jewelry, the mink coat, the items reeking of the guilt that prompted their purchase. She wrote, packed it all up, took a taxi to Miles's place. Quote, upon arrival, I hauled that suitcase to Miles's door and rang the bell. I had a message to deliver. I pushed past him and hurled the suitcase into the air. It landed with a thud a few feet from Betty, who stood there looking dumbfounded like she'd just witnessed the second coming. <laughs> Before either of them could speak, I bolted off. She was done.
0: So, Miles. She is such a badass. She's a badass.
1: Miles and Betty get married. Oh, God. Yeah, in 1968. They <gasps> divorce a year later. Weirdly, because of infidelity and abuse. Cicely goes on to star in the film Sounder, which earned a Golden Globe and Academy Award nomination. In 68, she won two Emmy Awards. I mean, she's, she's a badass. She washed him out of her hair. Yeah, yeah done. Yeah, 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 all done. Except. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, we get into the 70s, and Miles is, again, like, just physically and sort of, I guess, spiritually crashing. He was in a car crash where both of his ankles were broken. And so... As per usage, he starts managing his pain with cocaine and alcohol. Oh no, he like he just hides from friends. People wouldn't visit. He was just unstable. There were a lot of women, and for some reason, Cicely resurfaces in his life. Like he he would say later that she just knows when he's not doing well, when he's sick, and she would just kind of appear and help him. So she starts coming around again in the 70s when he's kind of at a low point, like, like very low point. Like, apparently he never did hit rock bottom, but, or maybe he did when he called his dad back in the 60s. Right. He says that for a time he did stop seeing other women. Like, there was, he found himself again with Cicely. Okay. So, 1981, here's a big red flag. Cicely Tyson and Miles Davis get married at Bill Cosby's house. Oh, Joking, not um, Andrew Young, mayor of Atlanta, was the officiant. Wow! So in photographs, Miles looked close to death at this point, and a friend of Cicely's asked her why she wanted to quote marry a corpse.
0: Oh no! Yeah,
1: he was in a bad way again. These two like could have been happy, but anyway. Several months later, Cicely is in Africa filming a movie, and Miles has a stroke, so she flies straight back. His doctors, as he's recovering, ask kind of a basic question. Would you like to live? And he's like, yes, I do. And so they told him the drugs, the alcohol, the smoking. You got to stop, man. Yeah. Yeah. You can live or you can die. It's on you. Your choice. Right now. Wow. So Sicily, I mean, this is, you know, She's not into that. So she is taking him to doctor's appointments. She is introducing him to alternative She's not into medicine. him dying. Not into him dying, but also not into like the, the worst aspects of his lifestyle. Right. That was not her problem. So uh, she gets him a new money manager. She's like, I'm, I'm going to put your life together, hubby. So he kind of ended up on the road to recovery for a while there, got stronger, got back into music. He was still experimenting he released an album in 1986 called Tutu, which fused soul with synthesizers and, you know, just kind of a, a more modern sure. sound. In 1986, Sicily threw Miles' a surprise 60th birthday on a yacht in Marina del Rey, California. Jet Magazine covered The Glamorous Party, five-page article. Wow. Quincy Jones was there, Eddie Murphy, Camille Cosby, Whoopi Goldberg, Herbie Hancock, Billy D. Williams. I mean, the mayor of Los Angeles was there. Miles's brother and sister were there. Uh, and Cicely presented Miles with a painting of his mother, father, and grandfather. Miles had no photographs of his parents. So, mm-hmm. Well, that's so nice. Yeah, it was a lovely gift. However, you know, Miles got stronger, so he got back into the womanizing. He thought he was being discreet about it, but he started taking art classes. And then he would come home with scratches on his back and chest from art class. You don't get that from art class. Not most art classes. Um, Cicely confronted him, threatened to divorce him. So he brings her a mink coat and a (sighs) diamond. Yeah. Wrong move, man. Wrong move,
0: wrong move.
1: A few days later, in the lobby of the building, Cicely runs across Miles's art teacher. Oh, no. Lived in the same building. Cicely recalled, quote, she was sitting on a couch in the lobby dressed as if she were about to go out for a jog. She looked me in the eye, pursed her lips, and smiled. Please don't do that, I said to myself. Please stop acting like I don't know you're sleeping with my husband. There was a shoving match. Art teacher ends up on the ground. In her memoir, Cicely said, I'm not entirely sure how she got there. Trauma has a way of clouding one's memory. But she was once again at her breaking point. The marriage was in big trouble. (laughs) You think? Yeah. During a particularly bad fight in this period, okay. Cicely tore part of Miles's weave off of his head while he was trying to prevent her from leaving the house. She would recall, I was holding a whole bushel of his weave in my right hand. I hurled it onto the ground, marched out the door and slammed it shut. As Miles would say later in his autobiography, I knew that was the beginning of the end. Really, Miles? Wow. <laughs> so that's Weavegate. Read the room, man. Yeah, 1988, she files for divorce. Miles would explain, quote, I admit that she saved my life, but because she saved my life don't mean she has the right to control my life. And that's where she went wrong. Miles Davis. Okay. His relationship with the art teacher, that continued until his death in 1991. So wow. he, he died a few years after after that. So, you know, he, I don't know. I don't know if pioneer is the right word, but definitely troubled He received a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1990. Well-earned, of course. I mean, he revolutionized music.
0: Yeah, but not for his marital conduct,
1: Well, no. No one's giving him medals for that. Uh. (laughs) The following year, he performed at the Montreux Jazz Festival. He was awarded with the Chevalier of the Legion of Honor. His last performance was at the Hollywood Bowl. In the last years of his life, Cicely would not visit him or talk to him. He had published an autobiography where it was pretty clear he was still pretty angry about their breakup. Oh, I'm going to tell you who has the way more right to be angry. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Wow. Agreed. So his health took a sharp downturn after the Montreux Jazz Festival. Sicily did not come to his deathbed, but Miles had one of their mutual friends carry the message that he was very, very sorry. Mm. okay which is nice that's something Mm -hmm. cicely of course her career i mean it never stopped like she's just been amazing talented badass queen yeah let's see we got some awards and such tony's emmy nominations kennedy center honoree presidential medal of freedom from president obama honorary academy award in 2018 like i i mean she passed away in january of course which was heartbreaking she also published an autobiography and she was pretty realistic about her relationship with miles but also very forgiving uh she explained quote i know this i loved miles and he loved me at age 96 i still have many questions about this life but of that fact i am certain mm. in the same imperfect way that my father and mother cared for one another in the same lopsided manner in which hostility and devotion can live side by side miles and i found deep connection however flawed our union was
0: yeah that doesn't sum up trashy divorces hostility yeah. and devotion yeah. side by side wow
1: yeah so really i mean they were they were to a greater and lesser extent really enmeshed in each other's lives for 20 plus years, turbulent, but also loving. I mean, I flawed people, which is what makes this show.
0: <laughs> Hostility and devotion. Yeah. Is it time for trash
1: cans? It is time for trash cans. I think I'm, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to just 10. The n- number of years that Cicely Tyson <laughs> shaved off her age for. <laughs> Perfect. Half a century or so of her career, um, but filled with very cool jazz. I, I don't know what they're filled with.
0: Lopsidedly filled with hostility and devotion? Yeah. Wow.
1: You feel bad. I mean, you want people of this caliber of talent. You want them to to do well and be happy. And that just was not in the cards for Miles Davis.
0: Mm. Well done. That was a good story.
1: Thanks. Thanks. I mean, it's a terrible
0: story, though. It it's well done.
1: It, yeah, it's a, it's, again, you want better. You want better for people.
0: I'm glad that both of our lady divorcees washed that man right <laughs> out of their hair. Mm-hmm. We've gate notwithstanding. What a week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for another week of Trashy Divorces. We'll be back on Wednesday mm-hmm. with a new Trashy Breakup.
1: Oh, yeah, you're stealing the spotlight on this one.
0: I am. I am. We're going to take a little musical journey. Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm not going to say anymore. (laughs) You're just going to need, you're going to have to be there. You're going to have to be there.
1: It'll land on your phone if you hit subscribe. (laughs) In the meantime, you can hear pulled from the paywall stuff over at bit.ly slash trash candy. That takes you to a free catalog at Patreon and listen to other stuff. We rotate that from time to time.
0: And we're dropping new stuff on Patreon every week. Dumpster dives. You've started a new series, Trashy Bonaparte. Oh, my gosh.
1: Trashy Bonaparte! So good over there. What a family.
0: Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. We wish y'all the most glorious week. We hope daylight savings is not too tough on you. Until we meet again. Keep your hands clean.
1: Keep your hearts trashy. Keep your clocks set correctly
0: (laughs) good luck resetting your microwave i don't know you're not (laughs) (laughs) big love y'all have a tremendous week we'll talk soon bye bye and thanks to you for listening trashy divorces is a hemlock creatives production created and produced right here in atlanta georgia by us stacy and alicia